You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 79. Hey guys, happy Monday. So if you guys have not heard, May is officially Mental Health Awareness Month. It's actually been observed in May in the United States since 1949, if you can believe that. The purpose of Mental Health Awareness Month is to raise awareness, obviously, and educate the public about mental illnesses, including depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and the things that we talk about over here at Mommy Labor Nurse are maternal mental health disorders. So postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis. Postpartum anxiety is something that I have personal experience with, and you guys know know this. I've talked about it on the podcast a few episodes ago, my experience with it. But I did want to do a whole episode interviewing my friend Erica from Happy as a Mother for Mental Health Awareness Month. And if you guys don't know who Erica is, she's fabulous. <laughs> uh, she is Happy as a Mother on Instagram, and she puts out some just amazing posts, just so such relatable posts about motherhood and the invisible load of motherhood, which is what our topic is today for Mental Health Awareness Month. So Erica is a registered psychotherapist with a master's in counseling psychology and postgraduate certificates in couple and family therapy and maternal mental health. So honestly, guys, she is the perfect one to talk about all this stuff. She's also the founder of the Happy as a Mother platform, which offers resources to mothers through a podcast, daily educational Instagram posts, virtual workshops, which I've also personally taken her workshops, they're awesome, and teletherapy. Personally, Erica is also a wife and mom of three boys, and her passion for maternal mental health emerged after her own transition to motherhood. She is deeply passionate about supporting women through this major life transition, as we all know that it is. (laughs) So like I said, this week, we are going to talk about the invisible load of motherhood. Um, And if you guys don't know what that is, uh, tune into the episode because we're going to talk all about it. Um... So without further ado, let's get right into Erica's episode. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me and welcoming me into your community. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you today because you are a fellow podcaster. So I was like, I was chatting with another um, girl a couple couple days ago who she also has a podcast and it's just fun to chat with other people who have podcasts because you just 
I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you know, people who don't have podcasts are, are fine, fine guests too, but it's just fun because you know the podcast world. So I love it. Well, Erica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I already said that you have a podcast, but tell us all about yourself and your page and just everything. Yeah. My name is Erica Jossa. I say the last name because people never know how to pronounce it. It's okay. <laughs> I am a, a registered psychotherapist in the Toronto area. Cool. And I had been in maternal mental health for about, sorry, just mental health generally speaking until for about 10 years until I became a mom. And I had three little boys pretty much back to back. I was pregnant and nursing and pregnant and nursing for about five or six years straight. Ooh. And I had this really kind of clumsy, clunky, uncomfortable transition into motherhood that um, caused me to experience some postpartum depression and anxiety and all kinds of adjustments, right? All the things. All the things. And it really felt like a blindside for me as a as a therapist who works with clients and who knows all the tools to cope with anxiety and depression, I knew all the things that I needed to do. And here I found myself struggling with postpartum depression and I didn't even want to get up and take a shower, like let alone use my coping skills, you know, like it just really um, was a blind side, but at the same time ignited a passion in me to understand more about maternal mental health the biological and physiological things that are happening, the identity and becoming of a mother type of things that happen. And that's what birthed my platform, Happy as a Mother. Um, I couldn't believe I had been in the mental health field for 10 years and didn't even know that maternal mental health was a specialty in itself. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. I mean, until you go through it yourself. Yeah. And like, it wasn't covered in my undergrad. It wasn't covered in my master's. I'd worked in private practice for a number of years. It had never been spoken about. And so I kind of felt like it became my mission for moms to know and understand that a lot of these things that we experience are normal. Yeah. Um, And when to know when it's not normal and when to seek help and just to I find when we understand ourselves in our minds and our biology better, we're more empowered and also more compassionate with ourselves, right? Um, Like I wasn't failing in motherhood in any way. I just had all of these different factors going on that made it a hard transition. So yeah, that's really birthed the whole Instagram platform. So it's happy as a mother. It's an Instagram platform, a blog, a podcast, all, all the things, all the things. Awesome. And when, and you said you have three boys. So when did you, did you start your page after your last one or my last one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, I held it together for the first and I was very much struggling with postpartum anxiety, but I could still maintain my, you know, uh, facade of perfectionism and just overachieved in that first one. And the second one was a really easy baby and that temperament made the transition um, much easier. And then the third one just kind of came on the heels of all of it. And I got mastitis twice and there was just a bunch of things. And it kind of was this perfect storm that um, brought postpartum depression to light. But it's been kind of like a blessing in disguise for me because it's birthed this whole this whole platform. And it's probably been very therapeutic for you too, not only for your followers to yeah. help your followers, but like for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, today, I mean, I'm sure you guys can guess, but we're going to be talking all about maternal mental health today. And I really want you, Erica, to talk about, you've done a lot of posts on something called the invisible load of motherhood. So I first want you to kind of explain what that means. Cause I think a lot of people, like when I first started to see posts that you've done on that, I didn't, I mean, I, of course, knew what it was because God knows we all deal with it, but Mm -hmm. it's great that it has a name, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So I want you to explain kind of what that is, and then we'll talk, you know, kind of more about it and how, how to deal with it and just this, that, and the other. Yeah. Well, it makes me think about uh, this very specific moment I had on, I think my third maternity leave. I don't know. Here in Canada, we get maternity leaves. And in my mind, they're all blurred together. And so I don't know which one. Um, But I was thinking to myself, okay, like I have this mountain of laundry that I need to fold. Like, why am I actively avoiding doing this task? It seems so simple. Fold the laundry, put it away. Like what is, why am I so procrastinating with this? And when I really sat down and hashed it out and thought about it, well, folding the laundry meant putting it away. Putting it away meant clearing out all the drawers of all the seasonal clothes that was about to turn over, which meant making sure the kids had clothes that fit and the appropriate season was in their drawer. And then before you know it, this one seemingly simple task turned into like a whole afternoon's worth or more of this invisible work or this invisible list that I was keeping in my head. And that experience and just sort of understanding and unpacking that started to give way to these invisible load posts. As I shared them, moms were like, is it any wonder that I, you know, struggle with Sundays prepping for Monday start of the week? Like all of this stuff weighs in the back of our mind. And because it's invisible, it often goes um, like under-recognized and invalidated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there because this is something that like my, me and my husband talk about all the time. And we are, and I've been open about this, that like I'm in, I have my own therapist and then Brian and I have our, our own therapist as well. We've been doing couples therapy for a few years now and we do like check-ins. Um, and this is something we talk about all the time is that, okay, it's, you know, there's just stuff that lives in my brain and stuff that I do around the house that like, like you don't even know that I do this kind of stuff. Right. (laughs) Right. Like it's crazy. (laughs) Not even on the radar. No. And and this is a really good, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit further, but there is this thing when it comes to the invisible load with clients that I work with, where we so badly want our partners to like what via like telepathy or osmosis yep know what we need and what we need from them and what we want them to do yeah and there's like I feel I feel like Hollywood has romanticized this idea of getting our needs met in relationships mm-hmm. um that's certainly not how it goes in my house we have very intentional conversations and we can talk about some tips to do that but um yeah expecting that our partner is going to know our needs and meet them and and just attune to us and tune into us the way that we want them to, I think is a really romanticized idea of how yeah. our needs get met. And yeah. like, wouldn't we love that? Obviously, we would love that, but I don't think that that's reality. And so um, us learning to tune into the needs and, and communicate some of these things uh, really actually helps to advocate for them and get them met. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's go into that a little bit. You mentioned like getting, <laughs> getting your spouse to like lit. Well, we won't call it listening, but getting <laughs> your spouse to understand like that. Hey, or actually, I guess more getting like, I have trouble because Brian doesn't, like you said, Brian doesn't understand what's going on inside my head. So I have to be very, very clear with, you know, what I'm asking you to do, like can, and it has to have, and we talk again, we're, we're just going to talk about Liesl and Brian's like couple <laughs> couples ther- stuff that we talk about in couples therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very healthy, but <laughs> we have, I have to have, I have to say like, okay, instead of, Hey, Brian, can you, um, take out the trash or whatever. It's like, yeah, but in my head, I'm saying I, in my head, I want the the trash taken out like now or like by the end of the night, but he doesn't even though like, come on, like, can you just take out the trash? Like at the end of the day, like or at Mm -hmm. the end of the night. But if I put a time on the end of it, then it gets done more. And like taking out the trash is a bad example because he, he's fine with taking out the trash, but I'm right. hanging curtains. I remember we had a fight about like hanging curtains because I was like, Hey, um, I know how to hang curtains. Okay. But I asked him, can you hang these curtains? And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And then it goes like a week and the curtains weren't hung. And I'm like getting all mad because my curtains weren't hung. He's like, well, you never told me that it had to be done. Like that you wanted it like today, you know? And I'm like, well, why didn't you think that I wanted it like so I think that's that's a tip that I have is like put a time on it and Mm. then it's way more clear for him like okay this is something that is actually really important to Liesl that like she wants me to hang the curtains because you know it's important to her for me to hang the curtains and then I'm speaking her love language too by like doing thing doing something that makes her happy and then we communicate better. But if I just say, hey, Brian, can you hang the curtains? And then, yeah, maybe it'll get done in two weeks. I get all mad when it actually gets done in two weeks. But mm-hmm. Brian's like, well, I mean, I did it. So that was a tangent. But yeah, <laughs> no, and tips I see, on that. <laughs> I see there's totally two different couples that I work with. So I work with moms and I also work with couples. Yeah. And we've got, uh, I would say they kind of fall into two camps. And and this is sort of to put this out there as a disclaimer too, is that um, I work with a lot of couples who have really supportive partners who want to help and just maybe do, are not like we're not communicating effectively or we're missing each other and we're not meeting our needs adequately the way that, you know, we want them to be met. And then we have a sort of another camp of partners who are kind of like checked out and uh, unwilling to support or maybe really fall into very gendered roles in Mm -hmm. the home or traditional Mm -hmm. mindsets about how mothering should happen. And those ones are very tricky and I would say need to work with more of a like an intensive couples therapy to figure out if we can get on the same page. And there's there's more to unpack there. But when you're talking about it sounds like Brian really wants to chip it. He wants to understand and he wants to help. Well, in this situation, I think that we can sabotage ourselves in a couple of ways. Okay. And one of the ones that you mentioned is like, um, like, I don't know, a lot of moms will say, oh, I want them to do this task. And then 
it's not done like how I want it done. Oh, load yeah. the dishwasher. Oh, but you didn't like Tetris the dishwasher, right? <laughs> yeah. So therefore we like criticize how they do the task, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Is a self-sabotaging thing or um, whether we ask like have our timeline or don't check in with like when they have the capacity. So, hey, do you have time in your day-to-day to hang curtains? Yeah. Like giving them some control and like, you know, choice over when and how it gets done. She right? said that too. Now that you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, Caitlin said that too. <laughs> Her therapist said that too. Like ask him first if he, you know, if he has time and then if he's like, oh yeah, sure. Then you put a time on the end of it. Like, okay, hey, can you hang these curtains by the end of the day? Yeah, sure. No problem. Right. <laughs> like with my husband and interaction might look like, hey, like what's your meeting schedule looking like today? Do you yeah. think we have capacity to go over this business report or whatever yeah. nerd things I'm taking to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so kind of like respecting that they also have their own invisible list of things that they're plugging through throughout their day yeah. uh, and we don't see it. Because it's invisible and maybe theirs are more work-related and not family-related and there may be some tensions there about what those look like, but inevitably they have their own invisible list. And so one of the most practical things that we can do, and we talk about this in um, our Mummy Rage workshop or in our resentment workshop um, that Psyched Mummy and I hold is dump out each of your invisible lists on a piece of paper of the invisible things you feel like you carry or as it comes up, oh, there's this piece, write it down and have some honest conversations about these invisible tabs that we have open in our brain all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just honestly as simple as that. And some, like, I remember talking about that and saying, and Brian saying, well, I, you know, I don't want it to, sometimes when we put it out on lists, like, Liesl can get a little bit passive aggressive because I put down like every little thing and it's like, okay, no, it's not coming across passive aggressive. I just have so many things that I have on mine. (laughs) So this is a really valid point. This is a really, really valid point. Yeah. Is that the lists may not be equal. Yeah. And, and I don't know that the goal is for the list to be equal because usually um, in my experience, Uh, somebody is more the primary caregiver of the children or like keeper of the home. Usually that's because of jobs and careers and roles and traveling and like various different pieces. Often it's the mom, but not always. And so if I am the one home on maternity leave, let's take my example. Like I had a year off on maternity leave. All the caretaking tasks really defaulted to me during the day because my husband was downtown Toronto 12 hour days for work. Yeah. And we knew why we were making those choices. They made sense for our family. So he's not going to carry an equal amount of the caretaking tasks, but did it feel fair to yeah. me, the amount that he was carrying and to him, the amount that he was carrying. And yeah. that looked like, you know, when he is home, what is the distribution of that load looking like? Are we alternating some of the night wake ups? Do I feel like I'm also prioritizing some of my time for self and rest? Yeah. Um, so really striving for a a sense of it feeling fair. And then I think that also protects us from doing this, like keeping score tit for tat kind of thing where, well, I was up and you didn't do anything. And, you know, that keeping score is an indication that we've got unmet needs and we're not feeling like that distribution is fair anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And something that I know I struggle with is the toxic kind of thoughts of 
thinking like, oh, like I'm putting this, you know, the dishes away again, or I'm doing this again. And I'm not saying it, but I'm thinking it. Yeah. And I have to really sometimes catch myself of like being like, okay, stop thinking it. Like if you actually have an issue, like, like communicate, like say, Hey, like, I'm, uh, can you like help me with this or can you do this or blah, 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 blah. Because I think uh, probably a lot of moms or people in general, um, do that where it's like, you're thinking, 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 but then when I see you, it's like, oh, everything's fine. But then I'm still thinking in my head, like, you know? Yeah. So like in therapy, we actually call these like thought traps or cognitive yes. distortions, right? Yeah. And I think that this plays into the ways, again, that we sabotage ourselves. Yeah. One of the main ones being taking things personally. And yes. I'll give you an example of this. Great. It's, it's funny. Uh, funny, not funny. I don't know. <laughs> um I am very much the stereotypical husband in our relationship. Like, okay. I suck at refilling things. Yeah. Oh, me too. Okay. I'm a stereotypical <laughs> husband too. So I like things in order, but I'm also like really, I'm like type A and a half. And like, I'm also bad at refilling things and like bad at loading the dishwasher the right way and like bad at doing this. So I'm Yes. Right. So like, I don't know things like I, I joke around with some of my clients are like, because a lot of the complaints that people often have about their partners are often the things <laughs> that yeah. I suck at, yep. but it's okay. So like, for example, when we talk about how, um, like I suck at refilling soap or like the paper towel or the mm -hmm. toilet paper, um, or even like, I'll go into the shower and I'll like run out of, okay guys, this is how, this is how, this is how bad it is. I will run out of body wash halfway through my shower before I'm like, oh shoot, I'm out of body wash. Do you think I should refill it? And then I look down and my husband has already thought ahead and put another body wash in the shower. Aww. Okay. But let's, let's think this through for a minute. Cause it's reversed. And I feel like I can give the benefit of the doubt because I am like in this different perspective of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. In a situation like that, and if it was something else that annoyed me that I'm particular about, I'm sure that I would have a moment of frustration um, yeah. as well. But if my lack of refilling something every time his inner dialogue was, oh, she doesn't care that I value this thing and she did this just to spite me and she doesn't think about anyone else but herself that she doesn't refill these things for other people, mm -hmm. thought trap taking mm -hmm. it personally, um, then that would lead to so much resentment and mm -hmm. so much frustration and keeping score on his part. Rather than us sitting down and having the conversation in the house about what I'm really good at and what he's really good at, and it's not at all that I'm trying to slight him or be disrespectful. I'm just a very um, like in my head kind of person, like I get distracted or I, I'm forgetful for mm -hmm. these types of things. And so we're going to play to his strength. He's a really great refiller in the home. And I'm a really great organizer and scheduler for the family. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of fallen into these roles now where he, he is the refiller and he doesn't expect me to do it because I suck at it. Mm -hmm. But I also don't expect him to organize the kids' closets, make sure they have wardrobe, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things, because I know that he doesn't think about that. And like the color clothes that he would order would be awful and it's not in his skill set. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And so playing to each other's strengths, like when we learn to not take it personally and to understand that we're two different people that have two different maybe sets of things in the house that we're particular about or strengths in terms of how we organize or how we do things, then we can really divide out and like go team tackle Mm -hmm. things because we're not expecting, you know, I wouldn't expect him to organize the pantry the way that I want it because I watched the home edit. Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. And I I feel like the more I do things that I like like that, like you feel more empowered. Like I, I I just said this the other day to one of my friends because she was, you know, how women do we just, sometimes we just like, our, your, our husband did this, that, and the other and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I was like, yeah, but you know what? I, it's kind of empowering to think like I can get out of the house. Like, cause I think, oh, we, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about like getting out of the house with two kids. Mm. And I was like, I mean, I think like Brian can, um, but like, I, I mean, I can get out of the house in like 10 minutes. Like it's no big deal. Like I've done it so many times. And I'm like, it's kind of empowering to think like, Hey, like I'm just, I'm better at like doing this than you. And he, he's not offended by that at all, but it's like, yeah, you've, it's more, I don't know. It's not, once you kind of switch your brain and start to think about these things, instead of like it being resentful for me, at least, um, when I think about like, man, like I just, you know, worked out on the Peloton and I cleaned up the kitchen and I did this, that, and the other, and I, you know, read this, or I put the kid, both the kids, the bed. I'm not like resentful of like Brian not doing stuff. I'm like empowered that like, I mean, yeah, Brian could do that, but I'm like a badass and I just did this, like all this stuff. So I don't know. That's how I'd look at things. <laughs> yeah. And I think that like when we come back to this invisible load piece and I think about yeah. uh, the laundry example that I gave, yeah. right. And I'm sitting there in overwhelm, like, oh my gosh, this one task means these other 10 invisible tasks. When we come across these posts, so many people say they send them to their partners. (laughs) And like, when we have a language to communicate to our partner, now we have a system in place where my husband washes the laundry and then I fold and we both put away and like, we can share different parts of that load now and it doesn't all fall on one person. So like, let's say the invisible load of putting the kids to bed. If you find like all of those tasks fall on you, then maybe we have partners responsible for brushing teeth and getting into PJs. And then we do the tuck-ins so that it doesn't feel like everything is shouldered by us. That's what we do too. Um, It's different because I see, I like to put my little one to bed because he's my little one and I like to do like everything. But sometimes, you know, I've, I've said, Hey, Brian, do you want to give Ryland a bath? And he likes to give Ryland a bath. So like, sometimes he does the bath and the PJs and then I actually put him in bed. And then we usually alternate with my older one, Walter, with exactly what you said. We do, you know, books or sorry, uh, PJs and like brush teeth and get ready for bed. And then like another person does like a book and kind of tuck in kind of time. And then it feels a lot less overwhelming and just like you're doing literally everything. This episode of the mommy labor nurse podcast was brought to you by mommy labor nurse. (laughs) 
I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. And now let's get into this week's episode. Yeah. So it's bringing up this term in my mind called maternal gatekeeping. Is that something that you've heard of before? I haven't. No. um, Enlighten me. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's, I tread lightly with this topic, but I think it's important to talk about because especially if we're struggling with postpartum anxiety or we're transitioning into new motherhood, there is this really strong sense of, um, I need to be and do all the things for this baby. And so we actually sometimes don't allow partners in to bond with baby or to do bath routines or to do bedtime routines or things. Sometimes practically that's not a good like fit because we're nursing them to sleep and then partner can't do that, which is fine. But there is this idea of giving uh, giving our partner intentional moments to do these caretaking tasks Mm -hmm. that builds their bond gets them used to sharing and, you know, carrying this load with us. But sometimes, again, like we sabotage ourselves or prevent ourselves from doing that. Not, again, not always. And yes, I know that there are partners who don't pull their weight and all of that. And that's something to be sorted out. But um, sometimes our anxiety I've seen really causes us to want to have that like complete control over this little being that we've just birthed or you know brought into our home and feels like this little like organ of yours walking around and people are touching it and they're wanting Mm -hmm. to like care for it but Mm -hmm. it's like a part of you and it feels (laughs) like they shouldn't you know and so there's part of gaining some tolerance for allowing others to do some of the caretaking tasks especially in the newer months as well yeah, it's tough. It's really tough in the beginning. And I totally res- resonate with that um, because I certainly struggled with anxiety, postpartum anxiety with my first and now my second too. And like yeah. just got, I just posted a couple weeks ago that I like got on meds. I don't even know how long it's been, but like that has made such a difference. Such a but difference, I think, hey? Yeah. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. But I think a lot of people you mentioned like it's tough in the beginning because it's like, at least with me, with the anxiety, it was like, I had, I had to control everything. Like, and I just, and anything, anytime, you know, we were off with our like nap schedule a little bit, or like, I was always thinking about our day and like hours and, you know, how much, how many times I was feeding or like how much milk he was drinking or how, you know, this, that it's, it's very like a weird control freak time when they're little. And it does get easier as they get older, for sure. I mean, even, you know, now being on meds, like I feel great, but even like just, thinking about our routine and our day at he's almost nine months old versus like one or two months old. It's just different. And he's like a lot more independent. So it does get easier. But I think a lot of people do struggle with that control, not, I mean, control freaks a bad, 
bad term, but controlling kind of setting and not allowing people to come in and actually help because you're so like, I need to control everything. And then it's like, you're just, it's like a whirlwind. And I can really relate with that even as my first time transition. I didn't realize at the time that it was postpartum anxiety. I actually have a really popular podcast on this topic because it's such a hard thing for um, new moms to navigate this idea of when does new mom worry cross over into postpartum anxiety? How do we understand the nuances and tell the difference? And I think that that's a really helpful episode because Um, I know myself in motherhood as a first time mom feeling very protective and anxious and hypervigilant over this little baby, Uh, not like just sort of saying, well, this is that must be what motherhood feels like to be Mm -hmm. this, you know, concerned and consumed with the child. And yes, it makes sense. Like biologically speaking, so much is happening with our body and our hormones that create this sense of, you know, keeping this little human alive. But there are times when our brains, uh, you know, go overboard with this hypervigilance and it can become problematic. So I definitely have some resources on that. If there are moms who are listening, who feel like they're struggling with being so on and zoomed into baby all the time. Yeah, that's great. And we'll definitely, definitely send me that episode and we'll link that in the show notes for people to check out. Cause I think that's something that people, I got a lot of questions after I shared about postpartum anxiety, both times on my page. Um, I had a lot of people say, Oh my God, like I didn't real, like, I thought this was just like normal worrying. And it's like, well, I mean, it can be, it's, it's normal, right? It's normal to worry about your kids. Like it's normal, but there is a difference. And I think a lot of people do, do struggle with that. So, all right, well, let's Mm -hmm. talk about, we're kind of talking about anxiety, but I want to talk about rage because I know that kind of ties in with everything. And a lot of times, at least with me, my anxiety really manifested as rage. And I was one of the things, especially with Ryland, um, my second one, I got to the point where it's like, I was just yelling every Mm -hmm. single day, like over the silliest, like that you don't need to be getting that upset about. And once I kind of realized, and it actually like we were in a couple's counseling session and Brian was just talking about things that I'm like yelling about or, you know, things that I was doing. And I kind of just realized like, okay, you're right. This is not normal to be yelling over, like trying to get your key into the door and it's not good, you know, and then I'm like, you know, you like, and it's like, okay, that's not normal. Um, so I want to talk about rage, uh, postpartum rage and just rage as it kind of relates to anxiety. Yeah. There was recently a research paper that came out. I say recently in the past couple of years at a, uh, university of British Columbia, Christine Ooh or Ow, I believe her name is. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, identifying rage, postpartum rage, as one of the most um, under-discussed yeah. symptoms of postpartum depression and or anxiety. Yeah. And we know that depression, when we look at like the list of symptoms for postpartum depression, like irritability is on yeah. there, like a sense of frustration. Um, but often postpartum rage can look like a, a, an irritability or an overwhelm that is so present that any little thing can set us off. Right. And we 
we, I say we, uh, psyched mommy and I, Asharina, talk about mom rage as often being like towards uh, momming and care tasks and just, you know, baby not going to sleep when they should or mm. little things happening. And or I think resentment is a big piece of that as well, because it can also be directed at partner. It's just yeah. sort of this explosive, angry feeling that is kind of primed there, ready to go at any moment. And it feels uncharacteristic of us. It feels um, kind of other because we wouldn't have considered ourselves to be an angry person before. these experiences. No, absolutely. And once I started to really think about it, I'm like, yeah, you know what I I did like before I had kids or even before I had Rylan, like there were were periods in my life, like I'm I'm a pretty like easygoing person. And like a lot used to really like bother me. Like that used to be one of my real strengths. Like before I had kids, I'm like, yeah, I'm just like really easygoing. Like I don't really get you know, angry or upset. I don't have, I don't have fights with like my friends or, you know, I'm just like, and now it's like, how did I turn into this person that literally yells every single day at my family? Like, this is not, I'm like, okay, like something's going on. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's really important to see our anger and our frustration as a distress signal as an invitation to pause and become curious about why we're arriving at like a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Right. And there's often a lot of reasons. And if, if you've taken, I know we were talking off air before this about um, our mummy rage workshop yeah. uh, that Asherina That's and the one I, I took. Ding, ding, ding. Loved it. And that was, I took it while I was going through like all of this distressing, like right before I got on meds. So if you're, if you're interested in that, maybe you got something going on too. Like it helped me tremendously, but it also helped me realize like this, I like stuff that I'm doing is not normal. (laughs) Well, and I think that that's like a really helpful piece is when we can pause and become curious because what happens when we yell as moms is we feel immense guilt and shame. Yeah. And so we feel like, oh, what kind of mom yells at her kids? This is not the type of mom I envision being. And we get in this like really self-critical cycle. And in that self-loathing or self-criticism is this belief of like, this is like, I am this and I'm not going to change it. And this is who I am now as a mom versus wait a minute, anger is a distress signal, anger and rage or, or overwhelm or irritability, any real negative emotion is a check engine light or a red flag waving, trying to get our attention to say, Hey, like we have needs that are going unmet right now. Like let's pull over and become curious and explore what it is. And in our workshop, we give this like anger, um, iceberg and talk about the different either emotions that can be under anger or also on my Instagram page, the different things that can be underneath our expression of rage. Right. So we can be irritable and lashing out and angry and, you know, yelling at our, our partner or our kids, but underneath that might actually be undiagnosed depression, postpartum depression or anxiety might be burnout, might be sleep deprivation, might be a number of unmet needs that if we don't become curious, (laughs) yeah, right. Yeah. And if we don't become curious about what they are and put plans in place to meet them, then we stay in this burnt out space with our engine light on 24 seven. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll definitely link the workshops in our show notes page too, for people to check out. Like I said, I took that mommy rage workshop and it was just 
wonderful. And I know you guys have more too. Um, Before we wrap up, I do want to ask a little bit about self-care as a mom and what that looks like and some tips, because I think that is like the icing on the cake for everything. Like you got to be mentally, it's, it's great to be mentally sound. And then it's like, let's put some self-care on top of it. So how can some people, when they, you know, when we say the word self-care, I think some people are like, what does that even mean? Um, and I think it probably can mean a number of different things for different people. Mm-hmm. But when you, when we talk about self-care for moms, what are some maybe actionable tips that you can give moms mm-hmm. for getting that self-care in and like what that actually looks like? Yeah. I made a post yesterday, like a sarcastic post about self-care Sunday for moms, like in quotations Uh and it's like meal prep for the week and, you know, fold laundry and do all of these things. (laughs) Apparently people didn't get the joke and they were a little upset with Uh me that I was prescribing care tasks for moms for self-care. It's like, no, if you know me, that's not at all. That's not at all it. Um, anyways, it gave me a chuckle, but, (laughs) um, but self-care in terms of, in terms of the things that we we've been talking about today. How about we kind of like hone it in a little bit to those things? Yeah. I think that it has to do with our needs. Yeah. And back to this idea that we want our partner to meet our needs or uh, sort of anticipate our needs. But oftentimes what I find is you describe, and I can sort of picture this like frustrating moment, trying to get the key in the door and feeling like, oh, you know, in that moment, we may not even have tuned into what our own need is. How can we expect our partner to know what we need if we haven't paused, pulled the car off the, the highway to the side of the road and thought, you know, what is it that I, that I need in this moment? Yeah prioritizing and communicating our needs as moms, things like asking for help as a form of self-care, you know, all tie into these proactive strategies that help to protect us from burnout and make this mom thing like a race we can actually see to the end, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so on the very sort of mental health uh, self-care sort of perspective, we're really talking things like setting boundaries, saying no, Mm -hmm. uh, pausing to understand our own need, communicating that need effectively to our partner, Mm -hmm. asking for help and support. And that one is a little bit of a tricky one right now. Like in Toronto, we're in a pandemic and supports are really lacking and that's hard for people. Yeah. Um, but getting creative in how we do that. Maybe that means seeing a therapist or working with a sleep consultant because the sleep deprivation is so real that we're at our wits end, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So, some, so many things. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It kind of yeah. looks different for everybody too. But yeah, no, I, I um, what did you say? Oh, about saying no. I like that you included that in, in, have, in self-care uh, for moms, because that is one that I definitely struggle with is like, you know, okay, you know, I kind of don't want to go to this party. Like, do I really, you know, it's like, no, you really don't like you have full control to say no, if you don't want to go here. I mean, party's a bad example because I haven't been to a party in God knows how long, but you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. You don't want to go and do this. Um, so saying no is a big one. Um, I think it was 
maybe Mel Robbins. Do you know who Mel Robbins is? She's no. great. She does a lot of stuff with, I've, I've read a couple of her books, but she, um, she said, what did she say? Saying no to yourself or no saying no to other people means saying yes to yourself more. Right. So I liked that. And I wrote yeah. that down and I don't have it near, near me right now, but I had it on my desk for a while, like just as a visual reminder of like, it's okay to say no. And if you say no to this, then you have more time for yourself and you're a happier person. <laughs> so, and I've heard it said too, like saying no to other people is also saying yes to your family in some yes. ways, right? Yes, exactly. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And I think that like without boundaries, another piece that plays into this sort of maybe last point is understanding our values as a mom, because yeah. one of the things that I think we get thrown into or stumble into is this idea of what it means to be a good mom, what it means to be a perfect mom. We've internalized this throughout our whole upbringing. We get into motherhood and we carry in all of these expectations of what we think being a good mom looks like. We get into the reality and it's often a hot mess that looks nothing like the ideal that we had. And so I think that a really amazing form of self-care is for us to start to check in with ourselves Am I feeling the pressure to do this as a mom because others are doing it and I see them doing it? Or am I feeling pressure to do this because, or like a pull to do this because I sincerely value it? Like, do I really need to put my kid in some crazy costume for spirit day? Does he even want to? Does he really care? Or did I just see all these other moms doing these like wildly creative things and I feel like I should be doing it? Yeah. So that's a really big um, favor you can do for yourself. I actually have a a journal, like a prompted journal guide to help moms tune into their values because oh, cool. they get so lost in this, you know, feeling of having to be the perfect mom. So yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Well, I love it. Well, Erica, thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with me today. I think this was just such a great episode for people to tune into because I think so many of us just struggle with the invisible load of motherhood and just this, that, and the other, all that's the in-between. So can you remind our listeners where they can find you on social media, um, your Instagram, your podcasts, and like all the stuff that you offer? Yeah, I am happy as a mother on Instagram. Um, educational posts going out kind of each day, similar to your page, I know. Um, And uh, Happy as a Mother podcast on like iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, all all the places and uh, episodes weekly there. And then also those show notes are being turned into like blog posts for people who prefer to read as well. So that's happyasamother.co, so co.co. And then on the website there is also where uh, you find the other workshops and other events and things we have going on as well. Cool. Awesome. We'll link all that good stuff in our show show notes page for people to check out. Thank you, Erica, for coming on today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I enjoyed it so much.